ladies and gents, welcome back. It's Elliot from Engineers, and I've got Marius today. Marius is from Hey. He's the head of platform engineering. So we're going to be talking about things smart money today and all the fun technical intricacies that come with that. In a second, I'm going to pass you over to Marius and he can give you a little bit of an intro into him and uh, what some of the team at Hay are doing. But make sure that you like the video and share it with your friends. Look after yourselves. Look after each other. Okay. Marius, I'm handing over to you. Do you want to give us an intro into you, your role at Hay, and who are Hay? Uh, and what do I mean by smart money? Yeah, definitely. Hi, everyone. I'm Marius Alespan. I'm uh, the head of platform engineering at Hay. I have a background in uh, financial startups, uh, financial institution startups, and a degree in computer science from Imperial College. And I'm finishing a second master's from University of Oxford in software and system security. Hey, Breaking the size uh, of a planet, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily, but I'm keen to always enhance my knowledge. And it's always nice to get some uh, accreditations when, when you're doing it, especially if you're doing a master's from a well-known university. Yeah, I agree. So, hey, Hate's a young, ambitious company. We want to give people in Australia a different experience uh, with financial products. we only two years, two years and a bit uh, old, but we are making quite a buzz in the Australian markets. We want to change a bit the culture like some of the neobanks, digital banks have done in UK. Uh, we want to uh, bring that over uh, there and bring simplicity empowerment to the customers. And the only way you can do that is via technology. Fortunately for young companies, for startups, uh, big banks have an old technology and they can't move so fast as we can. And that's why we can bring new features to the market. Uh, we can bring them very fast and our customers like that. Good. Uh, can I ask this? I see this with a lot of companies over in the States. European entrepreneurs think, wow, that is a fantastic idea. I'm going to think about replicating something here in Europe. Was that the thinking of maybe the founders here in the UK with digital banks and think, Let's look at some markets that are quite interesting and approach it, or is it a little bit more sophisticated than that that I'm just not aware of? There is a base to that, of course. I mean, yes, usually good ideas are replicated, but you always have to innovate on top of that. But there's also a different element. There's regulations. So, for example, uh, in UK, there was a law that allowed companies, uh, dig digital banks, to, to appear that regulation change in Australia uh, only recently, only two and a half years ago. So there's also that element. And I would say there is a third part uh, technology availability. Okay. So yeah, we can dive into that uh, at a later point. But on short, for example, if you're using some cloud services, yeah. they might be available in US first, uh, they might come to Europe in six months a year, and at a later stage in Australia or East Asia. Okay, that makes sense, actually. And do you have to operate uh, around the sum model, being based in the UK and thinking about a different time zone? Not necessarily. We've split our the teams in Australia and the UK, so the technology uh, team is uh, primarily in UK, just because we think the UK is the financial hub of uh, financial hub of the world, the tech financial hub of the world. 
we think uh, a lot of smart ideas have developed from here. There is a lot of talented people in London and in UK. Yeah. And uh, I think that's why we chose to, to split the team like that. Yeah, regardless, and obviously we're recording this, you know, second week of Jan, regardless of, I think, what's gone on over the last couple of weeks, let's even say nine months, London still has a fantastic ecosystem. And there's there's bundles of articles that that talk to you about US investment, Far East investment, and you will still see London be a powerhouse. No matter how much money from fintech is moving to potentially Germany, London still has an unbelievable ecosystem, if not the best still. A pretty smart move. That being said, whatever happens in UK, I mean, knowledge doesn't have borders. Uh, and especially with mm -hmm. the new technologies, new ways of working, smart people will always, uh, and technical people or, uh, will always find a right job across the borders, within the borders. I agree with that. So you've got a quite an interesting journey. And this takes us back to a, a very different podcast where a company in the, if you like, car delivery space uh, had to build a serverless product, deploy it and launch it to customers in nine months. Yours is a little bit different as in first line of code to transaction in nine months. So I'm not going to ask you the question of how, how did that go? Maybe talk to us about the start and maybe some technology choices, tool choices, architectural design, and talk to us about that thinking and thinking about the end of the nine months. Then, of course, some failures in between. Yeah, that, that was a crazy ride, but uh, a very, very good and pleasant memories because it came with challenges and successes. And for people that like startups, this combination is, is a great combination, keeps you going. I would say, indeed, we started our journey in January 2019. And we, at that point, we were lucky to have a, uh, an excellent team. We've had a couple of uh, roadblocks around uh, on, on our way because um, some technology was not available. So we've started thinking about our architecture we had some uh, requirements from the business that uh, in order to process a transaction, uh, we had only 200 milliseconds to do fraud checks, limit checks, and authorization. Because the nature of uh, our vendors, we had to authorize transactions in London. Yeah. But being an Australian bank, the customer information has to stay in Australia. One of the major challenges was that just a round trip from London to Australia, it's half a second. So a normal uh, design would have never worked. We started early on thinking about architecture, how we can make this work, how we can solve the performance issue. issue. And we realized that we want to use uh, events, event-driven architecture. We wanted to use Kafka as our messaging backbone. But when we started in January 2019, you either had to host Kafka yourself, so you could get someone to configure it uh, in the cloud. We started from scratch with the cloud uh, native approach. So we would never have considered hosting it ourselves yeah. on-prem. Or you could get a company to host it and manage it for it yourself. Both of them would have been nice approaches, but wasn't really resonated with what we wanted, like infrastructure as code. So we spin everything up uh, with a script, tear everything down. So we were still considering these approaches, but Luckily, in around February or March, Amazon released uh, MSK in US. We started playing with that. So we knew that we would need Kafka what, in London. What, what's an MSK? Managed streaming uh, app 
for Apache Kafka. So okay. it's a for, it's Kafka managed by AWS. Cool. Uh, so they take care of everything. That was actually, we took a leap of faith there because um, they released that in, uh, I think, North Virginia or some of their regions. And we needed that in London. So we started <laughs> developing with it in March in America. Sometime at the beginning of the summer, they released it in uh, Ireland and we moved to Ireland. And nice. uh, luck, luckily around August, they've, they've changed the service, AWS, they changed the service from uh, beta mode to uh, general availability and they've released it to London. So London and Sydney. So there was perfect timing. Two things that work for us, I mean, we, in a way, we took a leap of faith there. Indeed, we were speaking with people from Amazon and uh, they were advising us with timelines, but usually technology, sometimes you have delays, but uh, AWS was spot on on the schedule. But secondary, we are always looking for uh, alternatives and researching what's happening in the market. Because if we would have started on a different path in a startup, indeed startups change very fast, but Kafka, for example, it's an expensive, can be an expensive decision, especially if you go with uh, hosted by someone. Can I throw a curveball question? If that MSK didn't come out, what do you think you and the business would have done? We would have probably have a third party have a hosted solution for them. Yeah. So the only drawback for us would have been that we would have not descriptive, so we couldn't have started a stop the service whenever we wanted. So this was managed by someone else, but still in the cloud, still the same availability that we wanted and the same guarantee of message delivery. One of the main reasons we chose Kafka is that it gives us very high uptime. So it's uh, it's more than 99.99% uptime. Nice. Okay. So you got your MSK. Talk to us about the the couple of things that happen next. Besides de- developing with uh, these uncertainties, one of the biggest challenge for us was solving the 200 millisecond limit. And for that, we had to innovate and quite a lot there because quite a bit of research. In June, we were working with uh, an instance in Ireland and still we knew that from London to Ireland, there is some uh, latency in, in the, when calling the services. But we basically, we were approximating that part, but we had to solve for, for the other, other things. And we've run quite a lot of profiling. We are running a microservice. We, have, we are having microservices and I know uh, the architecture was challenged at some point by some of the business, because if you imagine in our authorization, we have eight, nine microservices involved. And in, in a microservices world, you would have replicas of each services. And uh, so they would be hosted a Kubernetes environment or something similar, where there are different nodes that replicates the services for it to have a high availability. And first of all, since these this nine services, if you have them replicated in three different nodes, the time increases. So if the calls are made across nodes, the time increases as if the pods are on the same node. So we had to optimize playing with our service mesh that was routing these calls to try to route the calls inside the same nodes. Afterwards, um, we chose to use Java uh, for our services just because we thought at that point that more senior people are available and are experienced in Java programming language. The the solidity, I think, in the ecosystem probably makes sense, as in the people that have used the technologies that, I guess, the leverage the language gives 
I think it's a pretty good choice, especially yeah. in finance, fintech, associated yeah. environments. There are other programming languages like uh, Golang. Uh, we we did yeah. consider using that, but we don't think we would have achieved in the same time, uh, same result, just because it would have taken time to train people. Um, yeah. And some senior people would not be willing to move to a new programming language. But Java comes with uh, its own challenges because Java has garbage collection. And uh, yeah. if that garbage collection kicks in once you are authorizing that transaction, you definitely you suddenly see a spike. So we had to play with the uh, scheduling at sometimes garbage collection, optimizing that. We were touching everything, what we could touch for, for latency and one thing that make our made our life even uh, even harder is that most softwares, especially on on Apple US, if you want to look at resource customization, they would show you average on for one second. So if your services spike, for example, you don't see a spike on ten milliseconds or on right. very. You would see services running fine or CPU and memory okay. Seemingly, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, then if you are experimenting with bigger boxes, bigger instances, you would see unexplained uh, improvements. And well, unexplained if you wouldn't have been aware that this happens. But uh, that being said, we've reached with all these performances, we've reached good times, but not as good as we wanted. So we realized that services, um, especially if they don't have constant usage, they are lazy. And I can say... Services like people, if someone is not doing all the time something, they forgot, not that they forgot it, they, yeah. they were slow. Yeah. So we started running uh, fake transactions. And okay. uh, with that, the system was always spot on. There was no, so this has helped more things too. Uh, on one side, the, the services, the, the JVM to, to be on spot every time. Yeah. But also, again, coming back to services and replicas, we use a service mesh called Linkerd to, to route the requests, optimize and find the best path. By default, uh, Linkerd has to try random paths to see if there is a, another optimal way. And if you don't have constant flow, of course, on that one transaction here and there, they would try to route it differently and not take gotcha. the optimal way. And yeah, when you when you take nine services across three nodes, that can add many not optimal paths. So if if we constantly, when we are, especially in the beginning, when we are constantly doing these uh, fake transactions, yeah. that was helping keeping all the routes uh, perfectly. And talk to us about, I guess, the end of that process. So that we've we've spoken about fake transactions, running those, assessing your systems. Talk to us about that translation into now this is a true transaction and talk to us about that feeling. Maybe what you learn or what you would change in some of those nine months. Yeah, so the first transaction uh, after the nine months, that was a big relief because it was the first live test uh, from, from, our, yeah. from a card uh, run tapped in Sydney that would call Visa, Visa would call a payment processor in London and they would call us and everything would time perfectly. That was a, a, a big relief to, to see that every, everything worked as, as, we, uh, as we measured and as we were expecting it to work. Yeah. If I can think of what would have done differently, I think it might be a nature of startups where startups 
take shortcuts and cut corners, I think we should have invested early on a bit more in infrastructure. Okay. I've seen this in the past as well, but we've uh, probably did not consider. So we wanted to solve a problem so much that we did not consider, for example, some of the costs or the around that thing. And um, usually it's it's not it's not right because you you can burn through through resources um, very very fast. Yeah. Even though you're solving the problem, you're making other problems that you later have to solve. So yeah. I I, th- I think especially for us, we later on got help from a innovation partner. We work with an innovation partner called not sure if I can mention the name. They gave us some guidance on here. Basically, we kept those boxes where we wanted to, but then they helped us. They sh- helped us to realize where we are burning cash and don't have to or don't need to. I can imagine with the journey of trying to build something, uh, thinking about solutions, now finding out MSK has been released, North Virginia, you've gone on a bit of a journey to build something together. So I can understand that mindset where, and I've worked in a startup before, where you're so zoomed in on something that you don't actually take the perspective I get this outside of my life, actually, as well. Sorry, outside of work life as well. You're so zoomed in, you don't actually take perspective of some of the ramifications that come with what you're doing right now. So it's quite interesting to hear that in a technical capacity, and I can imagine it as well. Yeah, it's uh, at the end of the day, the startups have a very focused team. Everyone, it's usually knows uh, their their part. They are they are good at what they're doing, but the company would usually prioritize to solve a business need. Yeah. And that that's why sometimes you have this uh, lack of professional skills that, yeah, they, they can create small, uh, small holes. But for us, that was, that wasn't, uh, that was uh, not necessarily a hole for us. We burned money that we shouldn't have. And even that, uh, that was acknowledged by AWS because AWS, it's a hate. It's a it's partner of ours now, and that they they acknowledge that okay you guys had those up but you didn't use them, so yeah. we'll kind of forgive you. Mm-hmm. But in terms of actually infrastructure knowledge and security, on that that was at the core of built from from the from the start. So actually, after we've run our first transaction in the autumn of uh, two thousand nineteen. Yeah. We've had an audit from uh, APRA, the Australian financial regulators, and yeah. uh, they were actually impressed with what we've built in that short time. You should be. You should be happy. Uh, I'm not surprised they're impressed. I, I think that even takes it on to another point that we've spoken about offline as in, and you'll have to help people understand this more. So you've actually now started to allow other people to use payment rails. So can you just give us some understanding as to what that what that actually means yeah uh yeah definitely so there was a lot of accent on the platform at hey to build something very flexible and flexible power and uh, both be highly available and to be very scalable and the first step for us was to get audited validated by the regulators to prove that we are secure and we are worthy to become a big financial institution and once we've uh, passed that we've validated our product through the launch of our prepaid card 
yeah. of where we gained quite quite a few customers in a few months. And then because people have uh, have seen the quality of the platform, we started having requests from from the industry if we can help them to get access to uh, financial products, either to faster payments or to to the cards. Yeah, this was only possible because uh, we went with the architecture that we did and we didn't take shortcuts. So, for example, what I was saying with authorization piece, with the microservices, the nine services that because of some of the challenges people were throwing out there that shouldn't we have a one monolithic service where these times between service calls are ignored. If we are doing something like that, this flexibility wouldn't have been here. Yeah. But us being true to, to the core values and trying to spend time and make things properly have given us the flexibility and the power to now work with our clients and it's for some of them it's it's mind-boggling i mean we've worked with one we've worked with one client so it's a, a digital first lending platform and they've we've integrated them and they put their loan in first loan in three months yeah and, nice uh, it's uh we're usually we can get a company to up to market three times faster to to the market than with the traditional platform just because everything is split and uh, it's very easy to customize and uh, adapt uh, if, if you want to. Yeah, nice. Let's flip it around. You've given us some really, really good context on uh, back-end infrastructure, some of those challenges at an early stage where you can get really zoomed in on problems. Uh, I, I love the context. Can we flip it around now? Because I know that, hey, really like this about themselves and value this for their customers. Talk to us about, I think, as a customer, what makes Hay so compelling? You talk about that first transaction in Sydney taking place in that journey. Everyone back home is super excited about what's just happened, but what's going to make people super excited in Australia about using Hay and talk to us about that UX. We want to change the experience uh, that customers have with tra traditional uh, traditional banking products. So we want to give a simple product, easy to understand, that uh, empowers the customer and puts them in control. Our CMO would be able to talk for hours about uh, about our design, but these were some of the core values that were including in the design and in what what we do. Because of that. For example, we introduced uh, for the first time in Australia uh, things like paying with your phone number, paying friends with your phone number, or uh, introduced having nice. a biodegradable card. It's something that Australian people really appreciate. It, it's a very different culture from the UK, I would say. I, I haven't seen almost anyone there use a plastic bag in a supermarket. It's uh, They are very, very focused uh, on conserving nature. It's uh, so. We, we try to give them products that matter uh, for them. Okay. And uh, besides that, also where we can give back, we give back. So for example, we are uh, one of the first financial institutions that uh, give unlimited rewards if you refer one person. So hmm. on a prepaid card, if you refer one person, you'd get 1% cash back for the life of your account on transactions for less than $10. And uh, it's not that if you refer someone, you get $5 and that's it unlimited for life that's an interesting concept where we can give back we want to give back but also we want to make things clear uh, for the customer so we tell them and we show them that everything is fee free uh, they they have uh, visibility in the app 
of literally everything that happens. So for fees, it's simple. There are there aren't any. But afterwards, uh, limits. They can freeze their card. They can freeze Apple Pay. Uh, they can so basically they can customize every part of uh, how they spend. We put quite a lot of accent of uh, showing them where and on what they spend. So insights for us is quite a big thing, and we try to help them uh, dissect and split those things uh, as much as possible. Again, this resonates to control, to put the user in control of their money and understand where it's going. Smart move. If if we try and liken the product to something right now, as in, uh, or the platform to something that right now, who would you say that you're most like in the UK or anywhere else around Europe or US? So we can kind of imagine it. I, I would say we appreciate many of the digital neos in, in the UK. We try to get what's best <laughs> from all of them. We, for example, we appreciate uh, some of the innovation and correctness uh, Monzo brings to the market. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate some of the uh, things uh, Starling do on the B2B. I, I would say some of the things uh, these neos have done, indeed, they've... Uh, Just different ideas from a couple of people and put hey spin on it if you like exactly an, an example that i want to give it's monzo for example when there was a ba hack monzo told their customers that before ba announced publicly that they've been hacked monzo announced their customers that they should block their card and they automatically reissued because they've seen that uh, they've used their card with ba so this this is the things that we we want to do we we don't want to wait for other people to tell us if our customers are unprotected or something like that. We want to be proactive and yeah. we want to make sure our customers always are protected and give them the best experience. I didn't know that. Okay. That's interesting. Before we wrap up, um, um, we're going to talk, or I'm going to ask in the next couple of moments about how people can get in touch with you, what's on offer or what's to come this year in terms of positions. You know, as you know, a lot of engineering listeners do tune in but what's to come this year from a technical perspective maybe that's compelling for people listening thinking that could be my next place we're scaling a lot i mean this pandemic indeed is challenging times for everyone but in the same time this pandemic has driven a digitalization in the world so we are seeing a lot of customer trying to build new solutions and uh, we have a lot of requests on the platform side to integrate people. So for us, there's a lot of work coming our way to help uh, other customers to get to the market. The interesting thing for us and uh, why I would say people should get in touch, it's everything for us, it's from scratch. We don't have any legacy. We build, we try to incorporate new ideas, new technologies all the time. And uh, yeah, we, we've seen that technology is the one thing that made us who we are and this is where we'll continue investing in nice okay what what do you think you will hire for this year across engineering in case people are listening i think we will be looking uh back-end engineering uh back-end engineers so 
we look usually for polyglots engineers, even though our backend is in Java. Yeah. We usually look for polyglots. We will probably look for front-end engineers as well. We have a React native app. That being said, I, I think there will be openings in other positions. When we'll get more clients, we'll probably need more PAs, more PMs. So we're growing on all, all aspects. Good. So one to keep an eye on. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Uh, I think my summary is there's a team that cares, you know, even talking about sustainability. Uh, that's, you know, that's a big topic at the moment. Everywhere, sustainability, control, you know, everyone cares about what their money's doing or where it is. So uh, I think if you're listening, if you want a company that prioritizes those three things, hey, seem like they're really switched on. We've obviously got Marius here, who's a smart chap talking to us about what they're building. And he's obviously burnt through lots of cash. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm guilty now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm only kidding. Um, but he's obviously with the team built something that's awesome as well that is massively respected so if you're listening check these guys out there's some links below that you should go and check out maris's linkedin pester him on linkedin drop other people in the business a message follow their website follow their linkedin and see what they're posting see what they're doing this year everyone tune in just want to say a big thanks as well, Marius. Thank you. Thank you, Elliot. It was a pleasure and really enjoyed. I had fun. Like I said at the start, everyone, look after yourselves, look after each other. Peace and love. Enjoy. Bye. Thanks, Marius. Hey, guys. Thanks for watching this episode. Uh, massively appreciate you listening and checking in with us. If you want to find out more about us and what we're doing, please check us out on social media. What we're trying to do at Engineers is build a community to drive knowledge, sharing and experiences. On Twitter, we can be found at engineers.io. It's no underscore. We've also got a website, which is engineers.io. These links will all be posted in the description. Any feedback and comments are massively appreciated. We're always looking to improve on where we can. Thanks, guys.